0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is episode 8, and if you're listening to it, you're already in a good place. Uh, We have a bunch of great stuff going on here today. I'm Justin Lamb, your host and professional beer drinker, as rated by nobody special. Um, And I'm joined by my friend here, Cal Cagno. You might recognize that voice. I haven't said anything yet, yeah, but now they can, might recognize might it. Might recognize that voice. Yeah, I'm here today. Uh, we're going to discuss a bunch of stuff. We're going to drink some good beer here. Um, what are we drinking today? Well, that's that's shorts, which is always a good thing. It is shorts. Yeah, it's delicious. So this is you might recognize
1: this. Ooh, here. black cherry porter, the Callen Company beer that we yeah. had a couple of years ago.
0: So yeah, but you, it's not had, from shorts though. Yeah, your old show. You had the. We did, we had actually three beers. Right. Yeah, we
1: did um, Rochester Mills the first year, yeah, yeah. Rochester Mills the second year, then the WAB the third year that didn't we even did know a beer. did you did one with the WAB. Yeah, we did one with the WAB that did really well. They kept know, it on their, no, they kept it on their menu for, I think, probably six months. yeah. That was when I first got to know Spike of Mojo in the morning because he sent me a tweet at like 10.30 at night and was like, dude, you got your own beer. I'm legit jealous. And after I have my fourth one, I'll tell you how bad it is. And it was actually pretty cool. So he, he turned out to be a nice guy. And you were but... like, actually, that's my third beer. Yeah. So. <laughs> no big deal. Yeah, so pour that, dude. Open that thing up. I'll shut up so we can hear that. There it is. That's the clip. That's awesome.
0: I uh, I have a sound clip of that opening that I use. I constantly. went
1: to the um, Easter Market Beer Fest. Did you go to that this year?
0: Do you, I never make it down to Detroit for that. I go to the one uh, they sometimes do at Pineab or DTE or okay. whatever the hell they want to call it.
1: Because they had 800 beers there, 800 day. beers and Shorts was one of the ones that I visited that they had a, um, Mar- or a, um, what do you call it, a Bloody Mary beer. Ooh. Have you heard of this? Mm. So it has all the taste of a Bloody Mary. So it's a beer that tastes like tomatoes, tastes like celery, tastes like salt. And it was oddly delicious.
0: Yeah, I know they put like beer in margaritas. Cheers. Yeah, cheers. Ooh, that's good. Where'd you get this? So I got this at uh, Pineab Wine Shop in Clarkston. Okay, I'll check it out. On my way home. Uh, this is, so this is bourbon barrel aged, which is a, a trend you tend to see like crazy this year, especially founders. They did a whole series of bourbon barrel aged beers. Uh, KBS, which is famous because it's wildly expensive and super delicious. Uh, and then I just had, yesterday I had Fruitwood by Founders, which is a cherry bourbon barrel aged by Founders, and it's made with maple syrup, too. It's interesting. I was
1: worried, I can't lie to you, because he didn't tell me um, what kind of beer we were going to have. I knew that we would have beer, um, but I was worried you were going to come through with something super hoppy. Yeah, no. Because I feel like the hop... Whole trend is like the big dick contest. Like you know what I mean? When you <laughs> yeah. sort How of many s- can you put in? Yeah, and it's just like, you know what? I understand that we all like hops. We do. We've we've all learned that we don't want to drink regular beer. We all want to drink these craft beers. Like that's cool. Yeah. Like that's cool to drink craft beer and I'm fine with that. However, we don't need to have garbage cans full of <laughs> hops in every beer that we drink and like seriously as I was driving here I'm like dude he's gonna bust out something that's like it's the Texas Torpedo. They can't even physically fit anymore in there but they'll try. Oh yeah it's just they put
0: this full hops in there (laughs) and drink it start choking you
1: have to t- like <laughs> when you get um super pulpy orange juice and you have to put your oh, teeth God. together just turned out i would i would put that through a strainer
0: i can't stand pulp
1: no i and can't either and that's staying. the thing but like no joke okay. if somebody gave me like home style orange juice i would cleanse my teeth together and then like drink it and then have to take a napkin and spit it out
0: <laughs> nice. that's how i am just cleanse it yourself exactly well yeah uh so oh that about the happiness this isn't hoppy it's no delicious no, is, it's like a it's like a dessert um And the the thing that frightens me about it is it doesn't have alcohol content on the label, which I thought you legally had to do, but apparently you don't. And it's bourbon barrel aged, which typically means high.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't say say on it. That's Uh, a little bit weird. I didn't eat this morning, so I'll sure be wasted by the time I leave.
0: Right there with you. <laughs> yeah, guys, we're recording this in the morning, so this is good.
1: <laughs> this is quite a setup for all those people out there that have not seen Justin Lamb's basement. It's legit down here. First of all, he has an old cash register, which I think is so cool. Oh, yeah. He's got restaurant quality margarita. <laughs> Pours, as well as a salter. He's got a bar that, did you build this yourself? Built this myself. Gorgeous, including some crown molding. I mean, it's a really cool setup down here. Plus, he's got a chance for us to do podcasts right here. So this is good. That's nice. So thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, go ahead. I'll let you do the leading here because I'm used to being the host of the show, but I will shut my hole now. You can
0: talk. <laughs> I just I want to touch on one more thing with hops. Yeah. I mentioned the pulps. Uh, the, I don't. You know about that trend with uh, hazy IPAs?
1: That's what everybody wants right now? Yeah. I so, mean,
0: I've had hazy high IPAs, but I don't know is that if that's a thing. So they don't filter it. So Ugh. you get the sediment. And the thing, I've, I've struggled with it because, like I said, I don't like the pulp stuff. I don't like texture in my beverage. But you get to the end of it. And that's where it's at. So it's like you can enjoy the first eleven ounces of this beer, but you're, you're screwed. The oh, and at the end, it's all
1: sitting in the bottom. I it's kind of like those pour overs for but... coffee, you know, yeah. or they or they have those coffee, and then you get down, you're like, oh my god, it looks yeah. like sludge in the bottom. Yeah. Because it's so. I just want a cup of coffee. I don't want to pour over. I don't want to wait for it. Oh, syrup? Yeah, I just, I just want a cup of coffee. That's all I'm looking for. But yeah, this is delicious. So there you go. We're going to give our seal of approval. At least I will. Shorts brew, black cherry porter, bourbon barrel aged. I'm going to go on the way home and buy. A couple of these, so I can keep them in my fridge. This just delicious, it's but really it does. It is a bit of a warning that they don't have any alcohol content <laughs> at all. I mean, I'm as Justin said that I was looking at the bottle and I realized there isn't. But yeah, this is good. Would you give this a seal of approval?
0: Oh hell yeah, yeah. I've 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 become more more happy with dark beers that aren't stouts, typically porters because they're not as heavy, but they still have that flavor that you find in like a stout, like the coffee and the chocolate and that sort of thing. So yeah, no, I love this. The black cherry is not overpowering just adds a little bit of sweetness
1: yeah it's not like it's too, like, It's not like it tastes like a you know cherry slurpee yeah. they didn't load it full of that it's good though I'm definitely going to have this again thanks. I'll have it today and then I'll have it again but thanks for not giving me a bucket full of hops to eat <laughs>
0: you're welcome we're just going to eat those toasted hops <laughs> you got to get your palate going so <laughs> just try this out all right we are going to move along to today's topic which is uh alternative rock in the early 90s oh lord these are these are trendsetters we're talking about nirvana pearl jam uh stone temple pilots red hot chili peppers the bands that essentially started most of the bands that i listen to today outside of your like acoustic music this these are all trendsetters that are still either around or uh killed themselves and started a chain reaction (laughs) great bands that's (laughs) Seems to be a trend as Why well. do I laugh at that joke? Why do I laugh at is that? It no, is it too soon? not too soon? No, it's not too soon. It's
1: absolutely, you're spot on with this. And for those that don't know, I was on ADNX for 18 years. So um, I know a bit about alternative music. I don't claim to be a aficionado of music. I know a lot about it because yeah. I've been around a lot of these bands and a lot of this music. So I know the stuff. So yeah. anybody who has a problem with any of my preferences when it comes to <laughs> us talking about this, please email Justin, not me. Don't <laughs> add tweet me. I'm not interested to find out if we're going to go through the nuances <laughs> Of Nirvana's career but I do have one thing to say yeah. about Nirvana Yeah, had they continued would they end up being like Goo Goo Dolls had they continued would they be on the I Love the 90s tour
0: oh god I can't that's scary to think about <laughs> if he doesn't
1: die do they put out a spoken word album do they become like Linkin Park before Chester died
0: if we're going to do what ifs if Kurt Cobain doesn't die does Foo Fighters ever happen probably not that's the scariest though no exactly because I,
1: I this sounds terrible to say I like Foo Fighters but I know better than I like Nirvana no, yeah, yeah oh so you're on the same page yeah absolutely All right, so let's talk Dave about Dave Grohl is a genius oh absolutely Dave Grohl one of the nicest human beings you have ever ever will meet in your can life imagine too. That. I've interviewed him before uh, met him three times other times he's one of the guys that introduces himself and I've said this before you meet someone famous they yeah. don't tell you their name they are a douchebag. <laughs> if they do tell you their name, fair. and they say both names, it's kind of douchey. But when they say just their first name, like he walks up, "Hi, I'm Dave," introduces yeah. himself to everybody in the room, including interns.
0: You don't assume that everyone knows who you are. You
1: shouldn't. Yeah. You should never assume anyone knows yes. who you
0: are. Yeah, I and people are gonna like crucify me for this, but I'm not a huge Nirvana guy. I like what they inspired, and I like I'll throw on uh, uh, Nevermind all the time. It's it's a good album, but it reminds me of sitting in my basement with my brother's cassette of that album that i stole <laughs> and like trying to hide it and listen to it low enough so he doesn't know i stole his cassette right. and listen to it and uh that's just i can't get that memory out when i listen to it so it's not something i always go back to and then i feel like because he killed himself and because it became even more popular as like anyone that dies their shit always becomes huge oh absolutely um, It almost got played out, especially in, like, my formative musician years of teenagers. Like, it got played out, so I was just like, "Mm, I'm not, I'm not, sorry guys, I'm not a huge Nirvana fan. I would say
1: I like Nirvana. I would say I absolutely like a total bro douchebag, like (laughs) the unplugged. MTV oh, yeah. versions yeah, yeah, yeah. better, which were m- mostly Meat Puppet songs. He didn't really do a lot of his own, but I thought they were really cool, and Pat Smear got to be on there. And anytime you could talk about a man that goes by the name Pat Smear is Pat always Smear. a good... Do you know that He's a guitar player from yeah. Fighters as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, Nirvana was one of those bands for me that um, didn't really change my life. I will say, like you, I liked their songs. I still say Smells Like Teen Spirit is amazing. Um, if you ever get a chance, you should pull up uh, just the vocals of him singing that song. It is the most gorgeous and haunting thing you've ever heard. Is there a way that after and post you can put this underneath yeah. it so people can hear? We'll play that right now.
0: Load up on guns.
1: Bring your friends far to lose and to pretend
0: she's overborn. Self assured. Oh, I know. The dirty word. Hello. nirvana i give them a thumbs up like i said i'm I'm, i don't dislike them i'm just it's not something i ever really go to and i am known by friends and my wife for always having these 90s alternative playlists you won't find nirvana on many of them uh everything else on that paper in front of cal right now that's got all those bands i mentioned earlier that's gonna be on there but uh you're gonna put metallica on there dude i'm I'm surprised Metallica, metallica is on here metallica is only on here because i found out when i was doing my research that album was the highest selling album of the 90s that it, wouldn't surprise the me. The entire decade. What's what's the name of oh, the subtitled yeah. album, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean nothing else matters on there. So Unforgiven. <laughs> I mean they're great songs. Yeah. I actually like Metallica, um, but I don't know that I would call them alternative. There was that was always the big question mark when I worked for ADNX, because we didn't play them, and all of a sudden, about 1997, we started playing them. Yeah, because they and were like
0: w- more metal, 101 type.
1: Yeah, they were like a riff band, yeah, yeah. but then they, you know, came to town, and I think we realized that they could sell a lot of tickets, and people really liked them. I never minded Metallica. Yeah. I thought they fit with alternative. I don't think they fit if you're playing, you know, uh, like a throwback. Like if you play Toad the Wet Sprocket, you shouldn't also play your. Um, Nirvana and uh, Metallica. Not the
0: same grouping. I do
1: love Toad the Wet Sprocket, though.
0: <laughs> Toad the Wet Sprocket, That is a band, I don't hear about very often. Do You know who that is? Oh yeah. yeah. What's their song? They uh, had two songs. Spot in the ocean. No. Spot in the yeah. ocean. I can't. I can sing it. I All can't remember the name I want is to feel this way. Oh my God. That's be Toad the Wet this, Sprocket. Yeah. To be this close. Feel the, the same. same. That's like a, a B-side from. Uh, uh, Can't hardly wait soundtrack. I think.
1: Well, what's funny is you did that episode of this podcast where you talked about Empire Vic- Records. Empire records. Yeah. I almost said Victory Records, which is a real thing. Hardly <laughs> um, records. Yeah, <laughs> and I—that's what I kept thinking about because yeah. Gin Blossoms and Toad the yeah. West Sprocket, I think, came from oh, the yeah. same like genre. That's
0: I think who. Dishwalla, that that was, like good. you
1: know, what I mean, like, all those bands could have toured together. Yeah, they were all kind of like that wussy college rock, like not true college rock like REM, but just enough wussy that. Yeah. yeah. They would get their ass beat at the Metallica show.
0: Yeah. They're the if you were playing Dungeons and Dragons yeah. in ninety four. Exactly. Listen to <laughs>
1: exactly. Nothing wrong with that.
0: I gotta ask you though, so as someone that uh if you listen to Cal's podcast or his old show, like you know he likes new edition. Absolutely. Uh, which obviously doesn't fit this genre at all. No, 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 no. no. But as someone that I don't want to age you, but as you you came to be a teenager as the nineties hit, uh, like what 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 music did you actually like listened to in those first years of the 90s?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I'll tell you, I'm 41 years old, so I graduated from high school in 1995, so, you know, like Red Hot Chili Peppers, um, Under the Bridge, I remember that song being very pivotal. Then I got to meet Anthony Kiedis maybe 10 years later. I got heroin together? It was beautiful. Well, we almost got into a fist fight and um, I had to be excused from a uh, meet and greet from with him. I'll tell you that story in a second. But no, I mean, Chili Peppers were big back then. Um, I liked them. I I got to be honest with you though, I was more of a hit music kind of guy and I don't mean yeah. hit, I don't mean like um, listening to like Channel 955 or whatever they were called at the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like when I liked Nirvana, I liked Smelled Like Teen Spirit. Oh, for sure. When I liked, um, you know the notable songs off all these albums you put underneath them, I would say like I was never a Stone Temple Pilots fan really that much. I think they're fine. I really liked Alive. I liked Black, Jeremy, Daughter, all the stuff from Pearl Jam. I definitely liked Jane's addiction. Like Jane's addiction to me was the one that was not everyone knew it. Yeah. I feel like if you were like a total bro in the 90s, you loved Pearl Jam. I feel like if you were like an alternatine, you liked Nirvana. And if you were somebody who was like super cool, you liked Jane's Addiction
0: Jane's Addiction was like the indie cool band out yeah. of all of them okay. and
1: Soundgarden was so like just I felt like Soundgarden was always Nirvana light.
0: Like then, I, what do you? so what do you think about Temple of the Dog then?
1: hated Temple of the Dog really? I don't like it at all I think it's terrible and I think Hunger Strike is the only freaking song on that record yeah, it's the no one. matter how much we all <laughs> want to pretend that this is some sort of supergroup. Yeah. Hunger Strike's a good song yeah no. It's a great song. Temple of
0: the Dog is no Traveling wheelberries, people.
1: I know. Traveling <laughs> willberries Think about how much money combined they all have in there.
0: R.I.P. Tom Petty. N-
1: R.I.P. Roy Orbison. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, so as far as like stuff I listen to, you know what I mean? I really... I know everybody who always says, I listen to everything. Like, I listened to everything. And... I'm one of those guys that can throw out things like Toad the West Rocket, but also talk about Paperboy Diddy, which is like, you know, Paperboy was a rapper. Yeah, you don't even know what that is. It was from 1992, but then also New Edition, who I knew all about, and, you know, Digital Underground, who yeah. is the most underrated hip-hop group ever. At the same time, I'm still listening to Chili Peppers. So, like, things like right. that, you know, I was kind of all over the board, but, you know, I would say every one of these bands that you pick to talk about today, whether it's Nirvana, whether it's Soundgarden, whether it's um, Pearl Jam... Alison Chains these people changed music. Oh, absolutely. Uh 9 Inch Nails changed music. So good. <laughs> it's funny Howard Stern said the other day that um he wishes that Trent Reznor never would have done a interview or anything. Because I want to smell you from the inside is always what I always go say about that song. <laughs> but did he not seem like the creepiest weirdest dude? Yeah.
0: And now you're like, "Oh, he's totally normal kind of." Oh yeah, as soon as the internet caught up with Trent Reznor clips, you're like, "Oh, it's, it was just kind of disappointing. And like when he cut his hair, and you're like, yeah. Oh. And they stopped hanging out with Marilyn Manson. You're like, oh, what the hell's going on here?
1: When I saw Marilyn Manson last year or two years ago at the DTE, I call it the DTE. <laughs> um, they were, he was opening for for Smashing Pumpkins, who is another band that's not on this list that I would say probably is my favorite of any 90s rock band. I don't band.
0: think uh, Siamese Twins was out yet. It, oh because you I were doing nineteen ninety three. Yeah, nineteen ninety yeah, three. 90 I think okay. ninety four is when that came out. Siamese Dream came out that Siamese late. Siamese Dream. What did I say? Simon's Twins. Um, Siamese Dream. It's fine. Whatever. I it's 90, yeah, I think it was ninety four.
1: But they were. He was opening up, and he's you know an aging rock star, and he's doing the beautiful people, the beautiful people, and you could see we from. I was standing backstage because I had to introduce um, Smashing Pumpkins on stage, and. I could see the duct tape holding together the cross that was behind Marilyn Manson and it was daylight outside because it's like summer, right? It's daylight. He's walking around with this corset on. He's probably 48 or 50. Yeah. The beautiful people. And I was just like, wow, things have changed. Now I remember when he was, you know, in the white bodysuit at the Fillmore, oh, when it was yeah. the State Theater. That was Marilyn Manson to me. That was wrong. When...
0: stars now in the drug yeah, show. yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was just amazing. And now it's like, wow, dude, I can see the duct tape holding together the crazy cross that's upside down behind you, and it's not that scary. I mean, remember, CDs were really, First of all, super so bulky, expensive. super bulky packaging too. Remember, yeah. they was like oh, yeah. no need for them to be, you know, the size of a menu at yeah. Applebee's. Big, long, yeah, yeah, they were long like that, and then you would open them, and the pa- it would be this big. But I remember standing in line to, you know, get a
0: CD for a midnight oh, yeah. sale at Harmony House. Harmony House is the best. Yeah, I'm I worked too- at Blockbuster next door in Clarkston. I loved Harmony House. Oh, we you had, probably went over there all the time. Oh, we had deals worked out where we would give them free rentals and they would give us, you know, how Harmony House, I mean, you probably got this stuff at the radio, all the promo versions of the CD. Absolutely. They'd give me free reign to pick whatever I want and they'd get free rentals from us. Well, that's kind of cool. That <laughs> was a nice, it was nice. Yeah, thing. that's a nice, that's an even trade off. Okay, so if you're <laughs> looking at these people off. on
1: here, <laughs> how much does Soundgarden mean to you?
0: Soundgarden means a lot. Uh, well, no, let me, Chris Cornell means a lot. Uh, the stuff that he did post Soundgarden. I probably know more of like word for word, like uh, uh, um, Audio Slave, yeah, and like some of the best like relatable songs to me. I don't know if it's like growth period or what, uh, like emotionally, but Audio Slave relates way more to me than Soundgarden does. Mm-hmm. Soundgarden just feels like that early '90s like kind of angry grunge, regardless of how melodic Chris Cornell sounds on it.
1: Yeah, I just I feel like it's too
0: gritty for me. Okay.
1: Yeah, like I, I don't I don't love Soundgarden for that reason, but I will agree with you 100%. Hearing him sing those songs today, although yeah. well, rest in peace. But I'm saying hearing them, hearing him sing "Fell on Black Days" now means more to me than at the time. Yeah. And sure. I always felt like their songs were a little too long, and I know that's a radio guy saying that. Like, but like five and a half minutes—that's just too much. Yeah. We get it. Well, because like, we,
0: they were like the grunge uh, jam band, right? <laughs> like, but yeah, Chris Cornell.
1: I mean, you know, gone too soon because I'll tell you right now, like he was one of the most iconic alternative voices oh, oh yeah because he kind of i mean if you think about it he could have sang like for warrant or something like he's kind of he could probably hit some of those notes yeah, yeah. poison yeah who are like kind of those joke bands but yet yeah, can still sell out dte every time they well, come it's, to town if
0: you have the voice to where you can scream and it still sounds like beautiful yes that's a rare thing like i don't like i could name probably two or three people that can really pull that off mm-hmm. and i love everything they do vocally
1: Black hole
0: sun, won't you come? Wash away the rain. Black hole sun, won't you come? Won't
1: you come? I've heard a version of Ave Maria sung by Chris Cornell, what? and it is gorgeous. I bet. Um Which one of these bands are you? Are you saying is your is your biggest one for you?
0: You know, you may, I, I actually am a big Stone Temple Pilots fan. Um, specifically, just like this album and the one after. Uh, and plush, Wicked Garden, Sex Type Thing Creep. That was one of the ones that I always took from my brother. Like, all my stuff. My brother is... Must hate you. Almost four years older than me. Okay. So, he got into a lot of stuff before I did. And I would always take that from him and be like, Oh, I like this too now. Uh, and Stone Temple Pilots, the core album, I took that all the time I just thought it was great and some of the lyrics are, are fantastic and I remember being like what at this point 10 years old trying to figure it out
1: well yeah you probably didn't catch all the nuances of what <laughs> exactly. they were talking about whether it be drugs or well, sex well that's or one anything. of the things
0: with Nevermind uh, with Polly off, uh, off of Nirvana's album I remember listening to that and just being like I gotta figure out what this means Cause well, like, let's see, Polly cool, wants though. a cracker I think I should get off her first <laughs> I was like "Why why's he gotta get off her what's happening here?"
1: I love that you somehow figured out about the birds and the bees through Nirvana. Wants a cracker.
0: Think I get off first. Think she want some water to put the
1: Did you see that uh, Jeffrey Adam Goot, who's the um Guy from X Factor, who was on our show every week, now is the new lead singer for Stone Temple They announced it yesterday. Yeah, he's going to be yeah, doing it. So
0: I saw- Jeff Good.
1: he's a great guy. From Detroit, great guy. He won a battle of the bands that ADNX did probably fifteen years ago. Like I gave him a check for ten thousand dollars, and at okay. the time I remember saying, "This guy is a freaking star." This band, now, not so much. And now he's, the, yeah, he's the lead singer Stone for Stone Temple Pilots. Pilots. He's a great guy, but a great voice. So yeah, they just announced it yesterday.
0: Yeah, I, I saw Red Hot Chili Peppers and Stone Temple Pilots together at Pine Knob once. Wow, that's a big yeah. show. It was a great show, but it was during uh, Scott Weiland's sober phase. Oh no guy is nuts when he's not on drugs cause he always took downers and you can see that on all their like unplugged albums Mm -hmm. it was like you can't see me right now people but you're doing it it, yeah Um, and he was nuts like had makeup on that made him look like a little satanic demon guy. Was jumping all over the stage. Really, I was like, this is not the Stone Temple Pilots I thought I was seeing. Yeah,
1: he's um, one of those guys who obviously gone too soon. Had his demons. The story that I always tell people about um, Stone Temple Pilots and Scott Weiland was that we knew people that worked with the promoter who put on the shows at like St. Andrews and stuff like that. So for a while, the band had hired somebody to stay with him. Like that, he basically had a handler that had to watch him to make sure that he wasn't going to use drugs. Like yeah. instead of him going out of his way to like going to rehab he was just going to have somebody who's going to you know be there slap his hand if he got into trouble or near that's, somebody with drugs so he's at st andrews he goes outside to smoke because apparently smoking's okay in the world of i have an addiction which yeah, is fine <laughs> <laughs> he then, like Barry Sanders from 1994, decides he's going to run away, starts running through Greek Town to try to find drugs. This guy is in tow running after him. Like, there's a line of people outside waiting to come see Stone, Stone Temple Pilots. He finally caught him and tackled him. He did not get the drugs. But, like, that tells you what type of desire he had inside to get his drug and get his fix.
0: Yeah, I... I- that's like a level of addict I can't even. <laughs> right, yeah, I, we can't wrap our head around it because we're not
1: there. But I'm telling you, somebody might be listening to this and saying, yep, I'm there, and I've done unspeakable things. Unspeakable things with unspeakable people oh, yeah. in order to get my fix. Yeah, I sucked some dick for some coke. <laughs> no you don't start out there, though. For the record, you don't start out there. Do you want me to tell you my Anthony Kiedis story? Because yes. I'm sure people listening to this are probably wondering what happened. Yes. So Kiedis, so we go backstage at DTE. I'm, well, this was still when I was Pine Knob. I had to, I had to take some winners backstage to meet Red Hot Chili Peppers. That was part of the the thing, and they got to interview him. Oh, cool. We go back, and it's me, Kiedis, and the two winners. They're trying to get their questions together because they had written them down on a piece of paper, but they were sort super of nervous. Yeah, <laughs> super nervous. Super. And I said to him, "I'm really sorry they're taking so long." They're really nervous to meet you. And he looks right at me and says, I heard you were nervous to meet me. And I'm like, what? He goes, I heard you were really nervous to meet me. And I go, why would I be nervous to meet you? And he goes, because I'm such a big star. Oh. And I go, and this is where I should have, I should have just said, oh, okay. Bummer. I go, dude, you're five foot three, man. Look at you. You're no big star. He stood up and goes, would you say? I go, dude, for real. We're gonna do this. They grabbed me, took me out of there. That's my Anthony Kiedis story. Wow. I got ex- escorted out of his, his dressing room. Give it away.
0: Give it away. Exactly. Give it away. But you know
1: what? I've had this this grudge against them for years. I went and saw them at Joe Lewis um, over the winter, and they were amazing. And you know what? He, he may not be the same man he was ten years ago or twelve years ago. So I need to like forgive him for that. But it makes a good story, though. No, still.
0: I, I hold those grudges. Screw that. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers is a funny band because up until uh, Californication, it was always I was always like they're just absolutely amazing lyrically. Anthony Kiedis always overcomes so much stuff; it's crazy. They're great, Um, and Californication is a great album. And I'm I'm the first person you'll find like if that any song from any of their albums is on the radio, I'll leave it on. I'll sing the whole damn thing. Oh, absolutely! They write hits, man. They're hit makers. Exactly. But the problem is, at one point, I was just like, and this was when I was living in California. I was like. All right, you know what? This is enough songs about California. You have to write songs about something else. Well, dude's from Grand Rapids. That's <laughs> the funniest part about what? him. Yeah, he's he from
1: Grand Rapids. Dad, his dad, dad's um, name is, um, is it Dicky Buck or Bucky Dick? One of the two. <laughs> and he's like tries Either to run. Way. He tries to run for city council every year in Grand Rapids. But he and was fails. born in Grand Rapids and then moved to California when he was like thirteen. But if you ask him about it, he gets super shitty about it. And he's like, I don't want to talk about that. Like, I'm that's from weird. California. It's super weird. But his, his dad, I'm trying to think. His dad is a funny name. It's like Dickie Buck or Dickie Butt or Butt Dicky. Either any of those work. <laughs> Look it up, <laughs> everybody good. out there, and find out what it is. Either way, he's one of those guys who isn't really from
0: California. Yeah. That's, and then went out there that's and fun, now weird. everything's about California. I got a friend that went on uh, the show Big Brother yeah, that's and, cool. Yeah, we, we went to uh, we went to high school together and she lived here her entire life like within 10 miles of where I'm standing right now. And she went on Big Brother and she lived in Chicago from like 19 on. She went on Big Brother at like 23. and all her profile stuff from here on out. Oh, I'm from Chicago. What? Like, no, you're not, man.
1: You're like, dude, you went to like, you know, Waterford, Kettering, or you're, whatever. You're
0: not even kind of from. No, Chicago,
1: exactly. No. Well, that's the thing. I like people who, you know, if they're if they're from a place, just say, yeah, I was born there. That's where I'm from. You know, yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um Allison Chains, I want to talk about them for a second yeah. because I have no love for Allison Chains.
0: I, right there with you. I really I don't I get don't, it. I, I don't, don't
1: like it. thank you. I don't want them thank you. I don't hate them, but I just don't I, I, yeah. I
0: don't get it. I don't get it either. I had a girl uh, uh, what was the, the lead singer who died
1: um, name? no, I can't remember? think of it. I can't
0: Lane even. Staley. So uh, when he died, I was freshman in high school and there was a girl in my class that was shattered. She was like biggest Dalish and Chains fan, and. Up until that point, we'd had a number of conversations where she's just like, Oh, no, you just got to listen. You got it. You'll get it. You'll You're get missing it. it. Yeah. You don't get it. But no, never got it. No. <laughs> Still, like, sure, I, I know the words to man in a box. and, and Oh, my uh, God. All seven minutes of it <laughs> just goes on and on. It never ends, that song. Well, in case you didn't get it,
1: he's a man in a box. Yeah, yeah, I got it. <laughs> I got it. Yeah. I I, I think I man can't in the box technically him. was about a Vietnam vet, though. Did you know that? Well, that just makes me feel like an asshole. Yeah, yeah. This. I think it was. Yeah, he's now a man in the box, but it's a different, a whole different thing. Well, there
0: you go, folks. Now you, now you can all feel. Yeah, like I feel like
1: well. when it comes to you know the rooster song, oh, no, no, the rooster, it's like, oh my God, just, is it, dude, would it have to be six minutes of this? yeah Yeah.
0: I mean now it's in my head, so yeah. But these I mean those were also like the stars of MTV at the time. Like I remember the videos for almost every one of these songs. Absolutely. That was that was part of the thing. Like uh, so I included Guns N' Roses on here, which is weird, just like Metallica. Dude, November Rain. Yeah, November So November Rain, the video I remember there being a bunch of controversy about it, and I remember being too young to understand what the controversy was. Like, there's a scene at, towards the end where it's, it rains on the wedding and everything. Yeah, of course. Uh, and then it looks like red wine, but then people are like, oh no, his wife died and that's blood. I never knew any of this. Oh yeah, it was a whole thing. Uh, if there was the internet back then, I would have clicked. Right. up wasn't November Rain like 17
1: minutes long too? I know that everyone's yeah, listening to this. Yeah, the album version
0: was like super long.
1: Everyone's probably like, "Why is this guy so concerned with length of
0: songs?" I just feel like you could just do it short it with- it and move along. Yeah, man. like I mean, dude, we don't have to you know, you know belabor the point. Like, we get it. Like, yeah. just get on. If um, I'm not like high at a concert, I don't want to hear a 14 minute version of your song.
1: Exactly. Like, I don't want to see Blues Travel ever again because I don't need to hear you know every one of their songs last 17 yeah. minutes. And even with Dave Matthews, he borders on getting annoying with how long yeah. these songs end
0: up being. But it's fine. Yeah, I, you, I know you guys just talked about that on your last. Yeah, episode. we did. We yeah. uh, have. I, I feel the same way. Like I've been to Dave shows. I specifically have avoided Blues Traveler's shows. Oh, I they're like, terrible. Just I'm so like, you know, Oh, this would sh- be fun. No, but, like what would happen after the two songs? I know.
1: Well, exactly. They have to. And the thing is, you won't know when you've heard the two songs. You know. Yeah. That's my problem with Blue tra- Blues Traveler. You yeah. watch them, just and blend you're it all. Well, in. you're just like, dude. This is. I think this is just one long song that's like an hour long. And that John Popper, he's like, screw it, I'll do another <laughs> solo. <laughs> Jane's Addiction, I want to talk about them for a second because I feel like they were more pivotal to this than a lot of people give them credit for because really their radio hits were Ben Caught Stealing which isn't even a really good song Jane Says, which is amazing but they just have really cool stuff like I, I I like some of their stuff. You see, you don't like them. Not, the I, face yeah. says no.
0: No, they were one of the bands that uh, when I pulled this up, I was like, I'll put it on there. But eh. like, really? I, was, I was never a Jane's Addiction fan. Even even the the singles, the Ben caught stealing. Jane says it's a great song. Um, I just I can't get over. And I don't know if this is because like I'm a musician, I'm a singer. Uh, I can't get over the voice. I can't. I'm not a fan of a uh, Perry Perry Farrell. Oh, you just don't like his voice. I don't like it. See, it's unique, but it's not good. I think the music's very unique. I think the mu- and his voice is very unique, but I think all that combined, it's almost like too much uniqueness. Right, <laughs> like right. Maybe have normal music and have a crazy voice or something. Well, it is funny
1: how many bands can get away with having a crazy voice. Like I always talk about. Um, our Lady Peace is a good example, yeah. one that 89X played a ton, that if I brought in a CD and I was like, here's my new band, and I was like, life is <laughs> waiting for you, you would all look at me like, what is he doing? Yeah. We are all innocent, <laughs> we are
0: all innocent. I like, that's me, not even yeah. good. You you were in the genre, you were in, the, I mean, 89X was a genre of music that you could listen to almost everybody that ever makes it in that genre. Has a weird voice. Oh, absolutely. And it almost, uh, at one point, I was like, you know why You know why I'm not getting famous? Voice. Too Well, normal. there you go. Yeah. Too normal. I'm just too good. I have a choir background. Yeah, this exactly. No, but, it, but
1: it is true, though. Like, you look at someone who wins The Voice or American Idol. Like, all those shows do really well. Yeah, yeah. But the people who win those necessarily... Don't do anything. Don't really do anything <laughs> because their voice is good, but they don't have that...
0: You know, that it factor. People he, are always like, oh, but Kelly Clarkson, on." Where I was like, yeah, but what about the other 19 winners? Like, jo-
1: Justin Guarini. <laughs>
0: See? Oh, God. That movie. Remember that, dude? Do you remember that movie? Yeah, dude. Kelly I and <laughs> Justin.
1: I watched it. I've seen it more than once. Don't
0: tell people that.
1: <laughs> I watched it. I, the, other, the one I watched the other night, though, I'm so embarrassed to say, was I watched um, Not Another Teen Movie.
0: Oh, dude, that's a great movie. They made See? fun of so many terrible 90s movies. I'll, t- I'll tell you this. I thought that was a cheesy piece of shit, and my wife like obsessed can quote the entire movie. I think it's hilarious. And when we started dating like 11 years ago, uh, she would make me watch that all the time. And I have grown to think that is like a genius mockery movie. And some of the jokes in it are amazing. And we constantly quote things like uh, Jakey, Jakey about to make a big (laughs) mistake. Like that comes out in my household. Like once. a
1: week. Okay. So this will blow your mind. The girl that's naked areola, you know, like the exchange student. (laughs) Yeah. She is now on a Disney Channel show where she plays the mother of. So the other day, I'm watching this show called Stuck in the Middle on Disney Channel,
0: and I'm looking. Let's like point out, Cal has
1: kids. I have so two kids. Yes, I have two kids. I have a daughter who's 11, so she this she's right yeah. in the wheelhouse of this whole thing. Yeah. So she's watching this show, and I'm looking at the mom, and the mom's kind of hot, but not not like you know knock. She doesn't look like Sophia Sophia Vergara. Oh, yeah. She's just she's good. That's oh, another subject. Yeah. But no, she's she's good looking, right? She's yeah. good looking, nice looking woman. And I'm like, why does that girl look familiar? Quick IMDB, Love she's Ariola. In the That's movie, so and I'm like, funny. wow, dude, you went from being naked <laughs> for an entire movie, <laughs> an entire movie where you had about six lines, yeah. and then you
0: are now on a Disney Channel like you're, you're on a totally That's, normal show. That is literally the opposite of how things usually go. It's absolutely like, oh, I started out on Disney, I was in the Mickey Mouse Club, and now I'm doing like softcore porn. So.
1: You mean I'm Icebox from Little Giants, and I did softcore porn? It's true, look what? it up.
0: I will. The Ice Box. Out. Remember her? I remember I remember Little Giants.
1: Little Giants, there was a girl on the team. Okay. And yeah, she was yeah, called yeah, yeah. the Ice Box. She was Rick Moranis' daughter. Yeah, she yeah. was like the brute, but she ended up doing softcore porn. Like like Cinemax porn? Oh, there's nudity. I never saw the movie, I've just seen the stills. I'm not <laughs> uh, proud of it's it. That's my screensaver. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> not, I'm not proud of any of this.
0: Uh, I think I think we got to spend a little time on Pearl Jam. Just I think we do. Uh, first of all, two albums in the in the early '90s. We're talking about, like I said, this is '90 90 to '93. They had two albums that uh, most people listening to this can probably sing every song listed there, right. even though the lyrics to the songs on uh, on Ten were like here you go yep. that's pretty good that's, you sound like Sandler doing it <laughs> well so that's what that that song specifically uh, always reminds me of Sandler playing Opera man yes and do, <laughs> I was doing his little rendition of uh, Even Flow but like I used to do bar sets four hour covers and everything uh, I'd do Black I would do Jeremy I'd do Elderly Woman Behind the Counter Daughters, uh, or daughter? Daughters. Just one. <laughs> thinking no of John, singular. Thinking of John Mayer
1: now. Yeah. Um, Which is another good song, but that's a whole different.
0: I actually like, I like as John Mayer. With, I'm a uh, huge John Mayer fan. Well, oh, I'm not a
1: huge John Mayer fan, but I actually don't dislike him, but that's not what we're talking about nice, right yeah, now. We'll okay. we get off track again. <laughs> okay. No, I think um, when it comes to Pearl Jam, though, I think they probably on this list, besides Nirvana, but again, he doesn't die. I think everything's a little different. Pearl Jam is the one band on this list that we've talked about that is you know, really has longevity and their songs oh, yeah. don't sound dated. I think that's yeah. the one thing. You put on a live right now or you put on even flow or black, yeah. those songs hold up today. Now oh, they're yeah. not gonna hold up against like some hip hop stuff or against okay. Ariana Grande, but they would definitely hold up as decent songs. Well no, but again that I mean that's what's <laughs> really popular right now. Yeah, alternative yeah. music isn't really as popular as it once was. Yeah. I mean when Imagine Dragons, you know, win a Grammy for the best alternative act, we kinda got a question about what really is alternative anymore. <laughs>
0: The first album. <laughs> do you like Do you like Imagine Dragons? First, I saw them uh, because I was working at the radio station at the right. time. I saw them three times that first tour uh, for the first album. I've never and seen them. Are they any good? One of the best live shows I've ever there seen. There you go. Every member of the band has a piece of percussion in front of them, like three eleven. I've never seen 311 live.
1: 311 does this has each one of them. They have this whole big drum thing that they do. And It is really but cool.
0: it's a, and yeah, and it's not like hippie beach drum circle. But it's they like they have it coordinated so well, and for certain songs, and then there's this giant bass drum that's legit eight feet tall that they they.
1: They should be on the field at Purdue because they have the world's biggest bass drum. Is that a fact? That's a fact. No, they really do. It says on the drum for their marching band. World's biggest bass drum. But I don't know. Maybe Imagine Dragons has that.
0: Yeah, Yeah, screw you guys,
1: Purdue. No, but Pearl Jam Black, when that comes on, I mean, there's just something. So good. Something so good. And, you know, when you think about... (laughs) uh, There was a part... Did you ever see when um, Eddie Vedder came on to David Letterman's show? Every time I hear... I think of the same part what happens so David Letterman throughout his show one night out of nowhere just kept saying and at the very end of the show they kick into the end of it out walks um Eddie Vedder does does do 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 three times leaves doesn't do an (laughs) interview nothing that was it comes out Eddie Vedder was in on the joke So yeah, when you start talking about Pearl Jam though, I think they have songs that hold up and don't sound dated and yeah, that's the absolutely. thing and I think that they, they even now I think I have done a nice job of playing to their audience like they have CDs yeah. that still come out I still oh, yeah. come CDs that's me right here yeah but but they still have CDs that come out that you know many people buy they're not going to be on the radio much anymore and that's yeah. okay they're not going to do videos but they'll play a show and they I mean if Pearl Jam came today to the palace or at you know Little Caesars Arena they would sell that thing out
0: oh yeah, yeah. they're that big of a they, deal I think still. they still do I mean that's are that's they still crazy. touring a lot I don't think they tour a lot. I think they still probably every other year, if I had to guess. Right. I've never, I've never seen Pearl Jam live. I think it'd be a great show. I mean, especially with a band like that spanning so many years, it would just be—you would know all the songs. which are my favorite concerts? Like, if you know every song, that's absolutely. Um, so I think it'd be a great show. And even his Eddie Vedder's one of those few people. Um, Chris Cornell's like this, where you can branch off and kind of do your solo stuff, and it's great. And you can go right back into the band, and no one gives a shit. Um, it's like his uh this is funny because I'm thinking about this and now it's been what 11 years when I lived in LA the last thing I worked on out there was Into the Wild I was
1: going to say that was the one I was going to bring up that yeah. he did that whole uh, he
0: did that whole soundtrack and so I worked on that movie so I was I was super uh, super into that soundtrack and uh, the, he did the song Into the, the Sun, covered, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It was by covered, James. yeah, yeah. He covered that. And, uh, absolutely or amazing. Indio. I think it was Indio. Indio. Yeah. Into the Sun, isn't yeah. it called? Uh, big Hot Sun. Big Hot Sun. Big Hot or Big Hard, either way. Big Hard Sun. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, And that's such a raw version. It's just like some acoustic guitar and a big ass drum and mm-hmm. his vocals, which are. Was amazing. it the one from Purdue? <laughs> I think they used okay. that with, they rented <laughs> it for the recording. No, yeah. Pearl Jam though. I think
1: you know, as far as you know, bro, rock in the nineties. I think even the jocks like Pearl Jam. Yeah, where I feel like the jocks wouldn't have liked um, Jane's Addiction, oh, no. nine Inch Nirvana, Nails, Nirvana. None of that stuff probably no, no, no. would. But I will say that Nine Inch Nails was sort of the closet cool thing to like. Oh, Yeah, like I mean, dude, if you were in college in the nineties, and again, I was in college from ninety five to ninety nine. And I want to fuck you like an animal, because let's, let's face it, that's what not that song now, is called. Yeah. No, but that song—you can bleep that out if yeah. you want. But th- that's what that song is called. Yeah. But like when that, bop, bop, yeah. When I, yeah, I'm not really doing it real well. But you know, yeah, yeah when that comes yeah. on, dude, bodies just come together. People yeah. just don't even need to look at each other. They know what the what the yeah. deal is. And that to this day, that beat and that oh, whole yeah. flow and the whole feel of that's that song. That's a great
0: song. that—I mean—that—that that whole album. Um, i was huge in nine inch nails up into like up through the fragile so pretty hate machine downward spiral in the fragile and if you if you know nine inch nails at all you know that each album has ai am gonna getting in deep here each album has a halo number so at the bottom uh like under or above the barcode it would be like halo 3 or Halo i did not 4. know that what does that stand so, for uh, that their that's, CD? that's how he trent reznor that's how he did his uh how he kind of counted his albums so whether it was like a single that had like five tracks with a bunch of weird remixes that he all did himself or it was a full-length uh ep or whatever they all had a halo number so oh, like Head okay. like a hole was actually i think or not had like a hole but pretty hate machine I think it was, like, Halo 3. Like, he had two before that that were just, like, the singles for Head Like a Hole. Oh, and I didn't else. know that. Yeah, and then uh, The Fragile was, I mean, they were at, like, 13 by then, and that was technically only his third studio album. That's interesting. I didn't you know that. You can find a lot of weird B-side Nine Inch Nails stuff from the 90s that's fantastic.
1: What about, like, when he ended up doing, like, Social Network soundtrack, the Ominous Tones? Does, yeah. Does that have a Halo number, or probably it, I, not? I guarantee it does. Okay. If it
0: was on, uh, God, I can't remember his record label. Nothing. Nothing Records. That's what it's called. It's all coming back.
1: Yeah, he had <laughs> if, subsidiary, subsidiary under um, Interscope, yeah. right?
0: And if uh, if it's on Nothing's Label, I guarantee it has a Halo. In huh, it. Interesting. Now yeah. I learned something new today. Oh yeah! If you got those CDs at home, look on the back. You'll find them.
1: Um, now, which one of these bands would you say of any of these that you liked in the 90s, but then you just, you, today you wouldn't even let play on your car stereo? Let play? Yeah, I'm saying you're going to hit it so forcefully that you want to let the radio know don't ever effing play that again.
0: <laughs> Probably Guns N' Roses. Really? <laughs> I uh, I think Guns N' Roses, and I don't know if it's because I worked at Best Buy when Chinese Democracy came out, which was like the Biggest flop in musical. I was industry. gonna say, did that ever really come? What was the one that hasn't oh, no, come out yet? They spent so much money on it that that was like from Best Buy employees. We do like meetings and they put together uh, presentations and stuff. That was like an inside joke with Best Buy because every store got these like boxes and boxes of this album and then it sold like three copies. Right. So, like, anytime you're like, oh, and if the table's wobbly, just slide a Chinese democracy on it. They shipped it platinum,
1: right? Like, that's uh, yeah, what they did. Yeah. Like, that, that was
0: it. was the worst. That's um, one of the
1: lines from an Eminem song that I don't think people understand when it says, now the stores ship us platinum. <laughs> You know what I'm saying, like, and that means that they sent a million records out thinking they were going to yeah. so, sell, and but Sorry. if if they don't sell, they have to come back. Yeah. Like that's just how it goes. And yeah. for that one, I'm sure,
0: you well, know, not, and I just, I when I hear Axl Rose, like that's a that's a band that I do not think holds up. I agree. I mean, that is a 90s metal band. <laughs> but what about Welcome to the Jungle? Do you think that ha- works, or do that you think that sporting is, events that's, work? Yeah, it's irony. That song's funny because it's ironic. Okay. <laughs> Every time they show a gritty scene of
1: some, like, dirty inner city in any movie for about 10 years span, Welcome to the Jungle has yeah. to be played. Right? Like, it's just, it's just a... just it's a, America. It's, yeah, this is it. Inner city Detroit. Inner city Los Angeles. Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> we are going to die.
1: But yeah, I mean, I agree with you of those bands, and I think Temple of the Dog though. I think it's super overrated. I'm sorry to say. I know they toured last yeah, year. Yeah. I think that they're just overrated. I think the sum Wait, of
0: they the they toured par- last year. Yeah, they toured. What? They toured. That, right. I, that at least that's what I had heard. No, that, that, I'd that's heard they rad. were coming. Maybe that got canceled. Because there was what Eddie Vedder, Chris Cornell,
1: and then a couple of the guys from each band. Like that's the thing. When people start saying like, "Oh, it's a super group," it was really only Eddie Vedder and Chris Cornell. <laughs> and then like, I, I don't think it was like legitimately like okay. Yeah. <laughs> You give us your drummer, we'll give you our bass player. Like I don't think there was like an like you were choosing for kickball. Yeah. That's not how it went down. I think it's just they happen to be in the studio at the same time and they they work together. But yeah, Alice in Chains, I think for me would be the number one band that I would say is absolutely quintessential '90s. There's nothing wrong with that, but they should stay in the '90s. They're not. They're just not a band that in 2017 you're gonna play for your 15 year old son and he's gonna be like, hell yeah.
0: This is about snuffing the rooster. Check it out. <laughs>
1: You're gonna yeah. dig this trick. Right, like I feel like you have a better chance of playing, you know, um, Can't Buy Me Love by the Beatles for your kid and him thinking it's cool than, yeah. you know, down in a hole yeah. by Alison Chains. Like that's not something he's gonna dig on. <laughs> not at all. I'm so
0: happy because today from my friends You're in my head. I'm so ugly that's okay, cause so are you. So, out of all these albums, all these artists, one thing is, is in common with most of them, <laughs> sadly. The lead singer or a frontman has died in almost all these bands. Yeah, you're right. A lot of them. Like, uh, I mean, Nirvana, Kurt Cobain, obviously. Uh, Stone Temple Pilots, Scott Weiland. Now,
1: and then uh, Linkin Park's guy, Chester Bennington uh, was yeah. his singer and he died too. Oh, did he sing in Stone Temple Yeah, Yeah, for, for a very brief time.
0: Yeah, the, I mean, the voice fits. I can see. Yeah, that. no, he,
1: he was the singer for I'm them. interested to
0: hear that. Uh, Soundgarden and Temple of the Dog, Chris Cornell, both part of those, and then... Uh, Lane, Lane Staley. Staley. As, yeah. as we found out early, yeah, Lane Staley.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, he died. I mean, that. yeah, there's one, two, three, four, five different people that we're talking about now that, that have died that are the front men of a 90s rock band.
0: Is it, is it too dark to rate their death impact in order? Like who? Who's whose death impact? I don't think it's
1: I don't think it's too morbid at all. I think the um, I think I, if I had to choose, I would say Kurt Cobain is probably the biggest death of this genre, and I also think sadly it propelled this genre into the mainstream oh, yeah. a little bit more. Yeah. I said it earlier or depending on when you put this in, I said it at one point and I've said it before. I worry that if Nirvana would have kept going that yeah. they could have turned into a shitty band. Yeah. A band that put out bad songs or spro- spoken word record or you know, was on the I Love the 90s tour next to Vanilla Ice and Hammer. Like I'm not see, joking.
0: I can see Kurt Cobain being more like an Axl Rose where instead of keeping going, he's just like, "No, screw you guys. I hate this band. I'm out." Yeah, I can see that. Instead of instead of continuing going. But I, the world may never know, guys. Yeah, but then you look at someone like
1: Chris Cornell. I mean, and maybe it's just social media or the people that I follow, but it seems like people were really busted up about yeah. Chris Cornell. I mean, just really taken aback that it happened. I think there was some sort of morbid weirdness that everyone thought it was kind of cool it happened in Detroit. Yeah,
0: that was, I mean, we live in somewhat of a bubble in that way because he died in our city. Right. So I think we hear about it a lot more, especially like, in the social media atmosphere, but that you also have to take that into account, like with social media and the internet and everything now, what would that have been like when Kurt Cobain or Scott Weiland died? Like, would there be as many Facebook posts and like all that stuff? Cause you have that with Chris Cornell, but you didn't have that with Lane Staley. You didn't have that with Scott Weiland, Kurt Cobain.
1: Right. I think that you would definitely have that. I think if you had social media in 94, when he died, he died in 94, right? I think 93 or 94. When Chris Corbin, or I mean, excuse me, when, um, when Kurt Cobain died, I think people, I mean, I remember 89X, I remember hearing the story. It wasn't there at the time. I was just, I started in 1999. I remember they shut down basically the entire playlist and just had people from the Audience and people who work there come on air and just talk about what Kurt Cobain meant to them. People were sobbing. Yeah, but again, I sort of missed it because I wasn't there at the time, and I was, you know, in 1990, I was. 14 years old. I mean, yeah. yes, I was, you so know. You're
0: about to go off to Central when Kurt Cobain. No, no, I was at 14. No, I was No, at, no, no, but he died in 94, so you would have been
1: Oh, yeah, 18, I, was, 18, yeah right? I was I was I was I uh, was 17 years old, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Okay. He died in 94. I'm looking at the 1990 at the top of the sheet. Yeah. But yeah, when you talk about him though, um I think people were busted up, but I think it just was a different way. And I really do believe that if Kirk Cobain doesn't die, I think a lot of these alternative acts aren't going to be as big. Oh, yeah. And I'm not saying that they need to thank him for that or that I think it's just sort of how it all <laughs> works. It Grave Weekly, guys. But I think, you know, when you talk about Soundgarden, for sure, Soundgarden and all the Chris Cornell fans, I mean, his death was huge. People really were busted up about it. I mean, I feel like everybody wanted to have a story about Chris Cornell. I mean, the only story I have about him is that I got a chance to interview him maybe five years ago seemed like a nice enough guy i can't pretend i know him i can't pretend i knew him i just you know interviewed him they gave me the questions in advance i'll be honest with you because they didn't want me to go off the rails they ended up using my interview as well as the song that he did um on a b-side that was out in japan so supposedly that's out there um i don't know if they cut me out of it because i never got any money for it so (laughs) but yeah i mean you know when you talk about chris cornell i mean he's he's a huge deal yeah So, I mean, you know, and that, and I feel like with, um, Scott Weiland, everyone sort of thought this was a foregone conclusion that he was going to die.
0: Scott Weiland was one of those deaths where I think people that followed, I don't want to say, I hate the word scene, but like the whole alternative scene or anything, um, some people were probably like. didn't didn't that already happen? Right. I thought he died uh, a couple years ago. What was
1: funny about him dying is that he had just played the Hard Rock Cafe. Did you remember that? He did a solo show and it was supposed to be at the Fillmore and it got canceled and moved to the Hard Rock Cafe. Now, I'm not saying St. Andrews. I'm saying the Hard Rock Cafe. Three days before he
0: died. Three or four days. So that audience size shrunk down a bit.
1: Yeah, you can just do the math that probably people weren't as excited to see Scott Weiland as the promoter would have thought. He played there and then three or Four days later died. Yeah, and so. everyone talks about, you know, what a huge fan they were. And it's like, well, wait a second. Where were you? Did you go to the Hard Rock Cafe performance? Probably not. Did you go to the Fillmore? team? did you buy a ticket? Because that's the thing that I think gets kind of a little bit, I don't know, kind of annoying to me is that when someone dies, everyone a makes it about themselves. Where it's like, well, you know, I saw him in 1993. It's like, sweet dude, millions of people saw Chris Cornell play a show. This doesn't make it all about you. Or because it was here, everyone's like, well, I just can't believe it happened here. Yeah. Or you know, with Chris Cornell or with um, Scott Wild. Well, he was just here. I'm such a big fan. It's like, and that's saying that you have to buy a ticket to every show that makes you a big fan but you yeah, know what I
0: mean I think and I don't know how Lane Staley died once again, both of us not big elson no I'm not an elson Chain guy so, sorry guys uh but I feel like I'm looking by the way Chris Cornell was the big uh was the big surprise because Kurt Cobain I mean no obviously you don't think he's gonna kill himself but you you find out about his life through interviews you you listen to the music I mean especially now all the books and stuff that have come out about it like it's not unexpected that he would kill himself. Uh, so it wasn't as much as it was a tragedy. I don't think it was as big a surprise. And then Scott Weiland, you're like, guy's been getting borderline dead high for two decades. Well, and that's how Lane Staley b- died. By the
1: way, he was uh, had a mixture of ho- heroin and cocaine, known as a speed Speedball, ball. I was so, they, they, his death resulted in a intoxication due to combined effects of heroin and cocaine. So, he died of a drug Don't overdose. mix your drugs, folks. Don't do
0: it. Um, but, but, Chris Cornell, like, it's just tragic death. Like, he, he uh, I don't think people knew how deep into addiction he was. Uh, and I don't think he was, like, completely off the rails doing stuff. So wasn't it like what a combination of like sleeping pills and? Well, I mean, there is the question of autoerotic asphyxiation, yeah, yeah. asphyxiation, which as I well. feel like that's probably what it was, and they're for some reason covering it up, even though people. keep I can't it imagine me. that it's that great.
1: Like that's one of those things I have no interest in yeah. doing. That like I'm not a cokehead. in like, really, sex,
0: please don't choke me. Like, well, yeah, no,
1: but I mean, if you're gonna wrap a belt around your neck, if that really is what he yeah. used, or a bungee cord, or was that whatever he was using, the,
0: the weight. Yeah, like those, yeah, that's what he
1: was using. Um, I don't think that's something that I, I, you know, the risk versus reward, I heard somebody talking about that the other day, where it's like, yeah, you know what, I can take it to task and it feels good, or I can wrap a belt around my deck. I might die, but it's going to feel, I don't know, 50% better. I mean, if it's, yeah, I mean, truthfully, I don't really care to ever really roll the dice like that.
0: Well, guys, uh, we we branched off into suicides when we were talking about 90s grunge rock, but we're going to bring it all back home and say a a nice farewell. And I want to say thank you to Cal Cagno for joining me today. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me, and thanks for the beer. And, yeah, thanks to Shorts for this delicious uh, bourbon barrel-aged black cherry porter. And, guys, we don't know how how high the alcohol content is, so use with caution. Uh, it is delicious. <laughs> it's very good. Very 21 good. and over, please. Too good. And uh, I just poured myself a breakfast out for lunch, because we started this during breakfast time. So. Nothing
1: wrong with that. Yeah, and, why not? and I just want to say, Justin, uh, thank you for the birthday gift. My birthday was Saturday. He gave me a piece of vinyl of the new edition's first record, Candy Girl.
0: Um, on How young they are. I know. Look at so much ahead of you them. You look at Bobby Brown, you're like, who knew you were going to grow up to do drugs with Whitney? <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? So, I'll,
1: let, I'll let you borrow his book. So I'll is, let you borrow his book. There's uh, so much in there; it's so good. I'll get the audio. Yeah, version. so good.
0: <laughs> Guys, thanks so much. Uh, remember, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter at beersand90s. That's Beers and Nineties. That's B E E R S and. 90s. It's the word and, not the ampersands. And you can always email me any questions, requests, or anything at justin at com, or check out the podcast at com slash podcast. Thanks for listening. Remember to share, like, tell your friends how cool things are if you grew up in the 90s and uh, tell the millennials, those littler kids, that the 90s were way better than the 2000s. I finally, I think I finally figured out a generation gap. Someone, some like psychologist was like, all right, if you were born after like 2000, you're not a millennial. And I was like, oh, thank God. Yeah, let we'll to get that. I don't mind being in that group. Yeah. But when I get in the group with people that had internet the entire time, like I don't get it. <laughs> so thanks guys. Enjoy. Thanks for listening. Have a good one. See ya.